Hello and welcome to Behind the Lines, an Inktober podcast. This show is by creatives, for creatives everywhere. Each week we will dive into the stories and lives of the artists behind the lines that make up our favorite works of art. This week we are pleased to hear from Jonah Dry, a hyper-realistic artist from South Africa who's wielded the power of patience to create pieces of art that are far more detailed than the average eye can see. Enjoy it for yourself. First, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself okay, as cool. if as if you could see an audience in yeah. front of you. How would you how do you introduce I would, Dry? I would run away. I was just my stage fright is <laughs> severe. No, no. <laughs> um, but I my name is John Dry, and I'm a graphite artist. I do hyper realistic drawings, but more in a surrealistic kind of style i think would sum it up mm -hmm. yeah and if if somebody knew nothing about art how would you put it kind of into layman's terms of what what kind of art you do what oh, drawings okay. you do yeah okay like super layman's terms would be i try to make pencil drawings look like photos but i try to distort them in a way so that they're not just representations or recreations of of things ordinary things you'd see in your everyday life but rather something a little bit more fantastical mm. yeah yeah there we go something <laughs> out of a dream almost something a little bit out of a dream yeah yeah so Jono, you're from south africa yeah um i'm here in america and us americans were arrogant we don't really know anything about other countries <laughs> and we assume That's you guys know everything about our countries <laughs> we but, do it's... so where <laughs> where in south africa did you grow up and what was it like? Like, I know you have Marmite or whatever that stuff yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. What, what's South Africa like and what was it like growing up in South Africa? Cool. So I, I, was, born, I was born on a farm just outside of Pretoria, um, which was, I don't really remember it very well. We moved off of the farm when I was like five or so. Um, and then we moved to a seaside town called Hamanas in the Western Cape. Uh, which was really cool. It was a, like a tiny little town though. So growing up there was idyllic in a way, um, like riding to school on my bike and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's hard for me to, to say what growing, in South, growing up in South Africa is like because, you know, it's like my only point of reference. So <laughs> mm. it, feels, yeah. it feels pretty, like I'd say it's pretty normal. When I see like movies made in America of like how American kids grew up, I'd imagine that it's like, it's kind of the same in a way you know mm -hmm. yeah the classic neighborhood kid growing up yeah yeah friends bikes exactly you know pretty much pretty awesome. much that yeah no no riding lions or you know running away from elephants it was <laughs> it's crazy how sometimes people think that that's like an an actual part of our lives <laughs> just goes to show what it's like growing up in america <laughs> right <laughs> learning about other countries yeah and and you're your parents are creative people, yeah. right? What what were what did they do? What are they like? So my mom's a ceramicist, so she works in ceramics. Um, but now she's she's painting and drawing and just she's doing everything. Um, she's incredible. And my father is an architect, so also creative, super meticulous, and yeah, brilliant mm. in his own way. I can already see that attention to detail <laughs> from your dad and the creativity from your mom. You're yeah, you're just actually, a perfect blend. I, I suppose I never really thought of it like that. I've always kind of just 
attributed my mom to most of like my creativity but i think if i think about it i i am quite like um analytical in in my work as well and so there is a bit yeah. of the influence from my dad there i guess so that influence um how did that manifest you know early on maybe using crayons and stuff but like what how old were you when you started really taking your art seriously and yeah i mean like the first the first time i was really like moved by art was when I, I think i must have been like 10 years old or so and there was this mc escher picture at the at the front of the classroom and he had drawn an eye with like a it's a kind of a skull reflection and it's quite a famous drawing of of his blew my mind that that could be drawn in pencil and then um that was kind of like the spark and so i would start trying to draw things a little bit better than you know just or not i wouldn't settle for just drawing stickmen then um and what i noticed was a lot of my friends well some of my friends were really good at drawing um and i'd try and like draw i don't know scenes from lord of the rings and stuff or these like fantasy books and my friends were i think more talented than me actually um and so they kind of taught me a little bit as as we were going along my my one friend jean he he was like you should maybe start with you know the part that interests you the most rather than just trying to draw the outline first which was how i was approaching things before so my proportions were all wrong and that little tip just like helped me in a huge way and i saw some like real growth and then you know when you when you first realize that you can do something a little bit better than what you could do you know a month ago it's really rewarding um and that's kind of what what pushed me forwards to to try and get better and better and i think the the story actually goes like i i did a portrait of my grandfather when he was sitting at the lunch table or something just i don't think he even knew i was trying to draw him and my mom freaked out a little bit and she was like this is really really good and that like support was was incredible for me um and later on she gave me this book called the anatomy for the artist and it just has loads of like anatomy studies and i was drawn towards the eye studies because of that mc escher eye drawing that i'd seen and i started just copying out of this book and trying to recreate the the type of drawings that they did in that book and so it just was this gradual thing that i i wasn't i didn't stand out you know as a kid um and i think only around matric had i put so much effort into it that they weren't that many people that were were drawing us at the same level that, that i was and it felt like something that i it felt unique to or at least i felt like it was a unique thing and something that i started to attach my identity to um and and really try and push and perhaps into a career even wow yeah just for for context um what is matric? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So matric, <laughs> <laughs> like matric is the 12th year of, of school before you go into tertiary education oh, okay. or like university. Okay. So, so, so your final year. So senior year. Yeah. Final yeah. year. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. I think I take that for, I forget that that's not a, a global term. Yeah. But even though you growing up in South Africa and and having these experiences, I love that your story thus far has been so, like I can see it and I know that it's it's common that a lot of artists don't feel that they're the best at first, right? Yeah. And it's it's so cool to see that the ones that are the, that are the most successful, when they started out, they were the ones asking their friends, how do you do that? Absolutely, man. And, and to believe in yourself. And then I love that you pointed out that your mom believed in you yeah. and that 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 was a defining factor and you maybe I should you know 
pursue this a little bit more. Maybe I should try this a little harder. And so you, you finish high school um, and now you're like, I'm in South Africa. It's either riding lions or elephants. What? No. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. I mean, where, where did art take you after that? And how was that a hard decision to decide I'm, I'm going to pursue art totally? I'm going to do it. So I wasn't like, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and so after, after finishing high school, I decided to take a gap year and for yeah it's, i don't know if that's a term in america but just that's yeah that <laughs> okay yeah. you've got me all worried that like the things i'm saying are, are cryptic somehow or just like localized um but yeah so i decided <laughs> to take a gap year and um managed to save up some money bought a ticket to the uk and spent a year in the uk and in that time i was still like practicing drawing and stuff but i was i was missing home quite a bit and my i was on the phone to my mom the one day and she was just saying don't you like she was kind of just taking a chance because she was missing me too and like kind of just wanted me to come home and she said Mm -hmm. don't you want to just come have an exhibition with me at home and i was like yeah that's exactly what i want to do um and so that kind of just sparked the the process for me to book my flight back home um and and give it a shot so i'd managed to because like the pound is so strong i'd managed to save some money that side which was enough to keep me alive for a couple months in south africa and so i used that saving all those savings and um yeah and and dedicated myself gave myself six months to to try and produce a body of work that would hopefully be good enough to put into a gallery um, not really not so much a gallery but more just a showroom it wasn't really like proper representation it was a, a showroom um in my parents house so um (laughs) yeah it's a really rudimental bit um yeah and then that was that was it that was the start of it all and i since then the the response was really great i sold some of the smaller drawings um at that show and the feedback the support from the community because this is also in my small hometown of amanas um that was really encouraging and um yeah i've been kind of trying to make it work ever since i think rather than say trying to make it work i'd say succeeding in making it work your work (laughs) is fantastic and just mind-blowing the the themes that i can see in each of those i the hardest thing about a podcast and talking about art is that we can't show our viewers right um what your work actually looks like Mm. um so but you you have a website you have um, social media, you have an Instagram that's amazing. Your TikToks are fantastic. Um, but is it just John O'Dry on everything? If yeah. somebody looks it up? Yeah. If you just search John O'Dry, hopefully, hopefully you'll stumble upon, upon my stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much where you'll, you'll find me on pretty much all the platforms. So YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, um, and Facebook as well. <laughs> I forgot about that one, mm. but yeah, no. <laughs> I just we all use Facebook to log in for a game on our phone. Exactly, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, it's oh, still alive and well. Um, but yeah, no, you can find me pretty much on on all those platforms. Um, yeah. Typically, in a podcast, you'd we'd be talking about where we can find you at the end of the podcast. But like right now, I wanted to to bring it up so that if somebody's interested in looking at your stuff while we're talking maybe they can get a little bit more context sure. um, into just what we're going to discuss next, which is your art and those themes that are in them. Okay, and so cool. 
in your in your work it's usually a dark background with a figure an organic figure in the front yeah, yeah. um are, what are some themes or some i guess yeah themes that you notice naturally just come out i i need such a i need so much space or my, my space needs to be so prepped before i can start working because it's it's quite an intense thing for me um i don't like equate it to to like some a hardcore like studying session or something where mm. it's really difficult to just well at least for me to study in a coffee shop if you know what i mean it's not like a it's not so okay. much an escape for me it's something that i have to be quite present for um so i can't really relate to that that kind of um i don't know what you call <laughs> it the, yeah the the cliche of an artist sketching in a coffee shop and you know just for yeah for me it's it's a really planned out process i think particularly because my drawings take so many so many months to complete that i yeah i i really have to consider things before i start committing myself to it um but then to answer your question the, the themes that i'm primarily interested in are to try and find a visual representation of oh man it's like this stuff can sound so corny or like i, I don't know <laughs> But like to try and find a visual representation of what it, <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to even like have these words come out of my mouth, but what it feels like to be alive, <laughs> yeah, what it feels like to be alive and, and like, yeah, you know, and that's, that's a, there's two sides of my work, which, which I enjoy. So the one side is actually quite light. Um, and there's a, there's a sense of play that I really want to try and explore. And that's, you know, I don't know, just be like trees coming out of hands and this fantastical kind of world that I would that would like to escape to in my mind um and then the other side is sometimes when you know when things aren't going so well the the feeling of being alone um i think for me personally loneliness is is quite a scary thing that i've had to come to terms with i think as a kid like as well that that was my primary fear was was being alone um and so when you look at my work you'll often you know figures are often um, isolated in darkness um, and I was obviously mm -hmm. like uh, like most kids I was afraid of the dark um, and also just fearful in general it was a it's something that I've only come to realize as an adult how, how scared I was as a kid um, and a lot of that fear is you know it's still it's still there but I, I I've kind of treated it and I I've come to like recognize it and I'm yeah, I'm 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 okay now. I suppose if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that that kind of feeling is what I've wanted to capture and what I've been, I think, capturing in the majority of my work. Um, the feeling of being alone, the feeling of being afraid, or or having some or other burden attached to you. Um, I think the most the most obvious metaphor in my work is other horns um on on the figures and i think mm. a lot of people it's really interesting though a lot of people think i'm like a satanist or something because they keep seeing all these horn figures and they're like oh it's such a shame that <laughs> you have to draw the devil which is so far from <laughs> you know what i'm trying to capture um yeah i'm uh, it's a nice metaphor for something like protruding from your head this like dangerous but also quite beautiful um burden that is sharp and can hurt yourself or hurt the people around you and yeah I, i've really i'm really drawn to that that imagery 
um, and I find it quite quite apt to to describe the the burden of um, mental illness. That's a beautiful way to put it, because there's a lot of connotation there with for sure. Yeah. Um, just culturally, I think that it comes from a lot of history that we don't fully understand, and so we just kind of we're quick to assume yeah. that when an artist is drawing something like that. It might mean what we think it means, but I love that it's so interpretive. Yeah. And especially because you've just laid it out for us that that's what it means to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's And it's quite beautiful the way that you incorporate all of it together. It doesn't it doesn't give a feeling of eeriness. I think that Thanks, loneliness is definitely communicated, but I think it's it's a almost a peaceful silence. Right. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could probably sure. sit and listen to the Interstellar soundtrack <laughs> while I'm in your gallery, just looking at all of your work. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, right, so, so we have horns and and figures in darkness, but what are what are other themes that like visual themes? That yeah, yeah, you're attracted to. So, I mean, well, the figures is also another one, and I I usually. I like my figures to be nude and not have any any distraction from it. Um, there's a vulnerability in, in the nudity as well. Um, um, then also wrapping these figures up in bandages is something that is quite interesting as well for me, which is this like bandages are meant to be healing, but in a way they can also be restraining. Um, and it, it's, it's tough. I don't want to like spoon feed or distort what someone else's perception of the work might be because i have a very limited it's it's really interesting when people a lot smarter than me have spoken to me about my work and they've got the most Mm. incredible interpretations that i'm like oh my word i wish i thought of that that sounds so (laughs) incredible and i'm you know blown away by how apt it is as well like it's not it's not wrong The, the work can encompass that as well even though my intention in creating it didn't necessarily encompass it so i'm kind of scared to to give my my like limited feelings behind the the motifs but yeah bandages surrounding figures that are like bound up in you know with with horns protruding out of their heads or blindfolded figures with plants exploding out of their their heads um you know and i feel like the metaphors there are are quite obvious um if you in the in the light of like ideas or identity um, like having male figures with flowers, you know, blooming out of their heads and kind of feminine poses and stuff, kind of just challenging some of the, I suppose, modern, like, well, no, not modern, but like older stereotypes of what it means to be masculine or all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I find that interesting. Another one that seems to keep popping up are hummingbirds as well. And I feel like it's interesting because my, my mother is really interested in birds, more crows and, and kind of darker, more ominous birds, maybe. Um, and I've also got quite a fascination with them, but more, I really love hummingbirds. There's this weird kind of chaos, or they represent this kind of chaos for me, like a controlled chaos in a way. Um, and so one of my pieces, Bacana, there's like a, a figure with horns and flowers kind of like exploding out of the horns and the figure is trying to contain itself with these hummingbirds flying around its head and there's these distorted figures behind it trying to almost represent that the world around it is shaking so so violently that the figure is being split into two um and it yeah that that kind of just talks about 
try control trying to to control this fast-paced violent space that we might be occupying in our own heads there's a quote from amanda palmer that mm. you said you really liked that art is anything that makes you feel something unexpected yeah um let's explore that idea that makes you feel something unexpected are there pieces of art you you've already talked about the one back in grade school that just blew your mind that it was actually drawn out of pencil who are the artists and what pieces maybe made you feel unexpected so the first artist that comes to mind is this okay so he's a polish painter Zdzislaw Bixinski and he does like these super macabre dark ominous surreal paintings um and i don't even know the names of the ones that that like have really stuck out i mean there's one that i've actually tried to just redraw for myself to put on my own wall which is called the trumpet um and it's like these gnarled fingers this really ominous figure blow, like playing the trumpet with these gnarled fingers um and a lot of like spidery kind of things with cobwebs over buildings and and things like that it's really really dark and i remember the first time i saw it was just like i think just complete awe and i can't even describe why it was awe inspiring for me um it's like it's almost dark to the point that he's painting hellscapes which isn't something that i would have been fascinated with because i don't like or like i would associate with myself because i when i think of who i am i don't think of a dark person at all i think like quite quite light to be honest and so it's really interesting for me that i'm so drawn to to Stanislav's work um or sorry yeah Stanislav's work yeah but i mean yeah art is anything that that moves you you know like it it's music it's theater it's it's something you see in the street that um that just causes you to snap out of maybe your what do you call it your autopilot for a second and mm-hmm. yeah anything that that stops you from being on autopilot i think um, yeah makes you think a little bit about what someone else might have been thinking or makes you think about something you might never have thought of before and just how how pieces can be interpreted uniquely by each person yeah. that's because we all come from a different background a different place i've never been yeah. to south africa and i'm not sure how many times you've been to the united states it's, i haven't yeah it's a really expensive ticket <laughs> yeah it is i'd but love to go though it's even yeah, i mean even that growing up in different countries it changes our stories and mm-hmm. how we live our lives and then the the people around us the friends that we've had um the mentors that have have led and affected us um who who have been some of those mentors for you especially post school mm. um you're a working professional now you you're in the industry but who who have you worked with so far who mentored you so the the idea of a mentor is actually something that i i wish like i, I know that Men- I've always known like you know mentors exist <laughs> but I never mm-hmm. I never actively pursued trying to shadow someone and and learn from someone um if anything my biggest mentor would be my mother who you know had but kind of just oversaw things from when I was a kid and we had back then very different style we still have very different styles but she was working primarily in ceramics and just knew a lot about arts and you know would would very gently and kindly comment on on what i was doing you know so it wasn't so much 
I wasn't studying under her, but uh, I, she exposed me to stuff, which was, which was cool. But I'm kind of sad that I, I didn't like seek out a, a mentor because I think that that would have like f maybe fast tracked some things or I'm not sure. It's it's a hard one and, and a, a sad one because I, I also recently there's some friends of mine who spoke about the way that they choose jobs or the way that they are choosing to move forwards in life are literally through the people that they can work underneath and learn from like that's the that's the criteria like take that knowledge and develop it and move you know move it even further than what the original person was doing um so yeah it's it's weird i think i've been inspired by other artists and i have really incredible friends who who have helped me that that same friend um Jean, who I spoke about, who's who made that comment long ago, who like you know start with the part that interests you. He's definitely like, I think just in in life and stuff has has mentored me on a bunch of things. Um, so yeah, I suppose just friends and my mom have been the biggest mentors. I wish I could say something more interesting there, but that's kind of it. Sounds like you keep a tight circle yeah. with good people, and that that's not a bad thing. Keeping those people that not only love you but you know that they love you and they yeah. you trust their their motives um their desires that they align with yours absolutely that's wonderful so yeah what have what's been a particular trial for you as you've become an artist as you've become a working professional um and getting into this industry what's been one of the larger challenges that you face not only have faced but maybe consistently face i think for for me trying to just stay focused on my work is mm. th the drawings take a really long time to finish so that's the, the one side so <laughs> what, just getting what's the typical amount of time that you spend on one given piece um it would be anything upwards of two months for for oh a drawing yeah for a large drawing um, so obviously with that comes like a lot of concentration and time. And, um, I was in like primary school when, when I was about seven years old, I was diagnosed with ADD and my, my mom put me on, on Ritalin. And I think she actually kind of regrets doing that because she was just being told, like doing what, what the teachers were advising. Um, but I've always, I've always struggled with, with concentration. So it's also kind of ironic that I've chosen this career path where I have to spend so many hours focusing um, quite strongly on something. Um, but yeah, so throughout my, my school career, I was on, I was on Ritalin and Concerta to try and help my concentration. And then after school, I really hated the way that those drugs made me feel. They cut out or like suppressed my appetite completely. So I was really small um, in school as well. And after school, obviously stopped taking them and when I decided that I wanted to become an artist, I initially kind of thought that it would be this really cool job that I could <laughs> like, you know, almost just relax a little bit and take mm -hmm. it really easy. And I very quickly learned that the amount of work I had to put into it was far more than <laughs> anything I'd done before, um, especially that first <laughs> exhibition with my mom to try and like have six months of work and be proud of it was just I started to just work you know super late into the nights and stuff and I, I very quickly learned that what it meant to concentrate and what what not being able to concentrate on something I wanted to concentrate on felt like so that was really frustrating for me 
And that was kind of the beginning of a journey for the next, well, up until now, even the next couple of years, I've been interested in so many things to, to help me spend as much time behind my drawing table without losing energy and without needing to leave the drawing table um, as possible. So like experimenting with new tropics or just loads of research in, in how to, to focus for longer. So there's like loads of drugs out there to help for concentration, but I'm also weary of drugs because of my history with Ritalin and mm. um, just hating the way that they made me feel. So I first just tried to find out the, the best ways to focus. So that would be looking after your sleep and like sleep hygiene, all that kind of stuff and, and exercise to try and get you to fall asleep. And then you're more likely to just have more energy to, to focus. Um, and then ad- eventually I tried some modafinil, which was this uh, on like a Tim Ferriss podcast or something. They were talking, they were interviewing some guy and there was, I think I kind of just like threw in the towel and I was like, this is really difficult. Um, I mean, yeah, I didn't really throw in the towel because <laughs> it was like after years and years of successfully producing a lot of work. But I was curious to see yeah. if there was something, if it was easier to do it in a certain way. And it, it was slightly, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was sustainable and I didn't feel that great about relying on a substance to, to focus. Um, and then I started eventually treating my anxiety, which I, I wasn't really aware that I had. Um, I just, I mean, as I said before, I knew I was like, I was a scared kid and, and all that, but I kind of thought that all kids were scared. And when I, I'd been going to therapy for the last like three years or so, and eventually we, we decided to speak to a psychiatrist and, and see if we could treat my anxiety. And that's been really interesting for me because what I've realized is when I, when I get to that point of frustration on an artwork, it's like, you know, I don't know, a couple hours in or whatever it is. It's, it's generally anxiety that pulls me away. It's not so much, I don't even... I don't even know if I really have ADD or if I was just really anxious in school and just, yeah, that's what kind of makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You want to get yourself out of whatever situation you're in, you know, like leave the classroom or leave the drawing table. And so that's been really interesting for me. And I'm kind of still unpacking that at the moment as, as I, as I grow, um, to see how much of my concentration issues are just anxiety related or, you know, if I do need to still employ a lot of those things that I had learned before, like managing my, my sleep. I, I mean, it does all play a part if I, you know, get a good night's sleep or um, mm. have, if I'm in relatively good shape, then I generally find that I can concentrate for longer. But it's also really difficult to maintain those things. There's always a trough. You always like fall off the wagon, you know, at some stage. So it's frustrating that it's not sustainable. But yeah, that's that's been my, my like number one struggle i think is to to make sure that i'm able to to work for as long as i need to work and with i mean pieces that take multiple months to complete yeah i i would probably go crazy with (laughs) hyper realism that's that's not my forte exactly but it's impressive because you i feel like hyper realist artists whether it's graphite or painting or even i mean the biggest application of that is probably CGI artists yeah. that are working on these huge films. And one guy's job is to make sure that when this animal's nose scrunches, that the hairs go where they need to. It's mad, yeah. That would be painstaking and torturous, but 
that's you guys are the marathon runners of artists and we commend you <laughs> thanks that's for doing it for us yeah but i mean it's there's something so cathartic about it as well like i when i see other hyperrealists work it's so there's something so rewarding in seeing someone execute it so well i i always i love mm. seeing other artists work um in in the same genre and that's kind of the thing i'm chasing for myself like there's a at the end of the day i'll you know take all the tissue paper off my work because i, I use that to just stop it from smudging and stuff and i'll generally mm. like take a photograph and then i'll go home and i'll look at the photograph again and if if i'm only if i'm happy with the work but yeah it's like this sense of pride there's a huge reward in in somehow capturing the world as as you see it and um so that's yeah there's something really really addictive about that for me um but yeah there, there was one artwork that really took it a little bit too far this piece called pupil and it was apt for me i think to call it that because it was it, it definitely taught me a lot but it was a, a drawing of an eye with a figure coming out of the eye and i remember undertaking it thinking like okay cool i'm gonna try and do this drawing that is like that captures every single little bit of detail that i can see and it ended up being it took over a year to to finish um with i think consistent work was about six months in total so for two months stints i'd focus on this drawing and just be completely worn out after those two months i was dead bored because also like <laughs> you get bored if you're doing mm -hmm. the same thing for too long obviously um and because it was so slow going the reward that like sense of reward like oh look what i did today just wasn't there as much so it was this this m absolute marathon um for me to to bring to the world but like looking back on it it's it's been one of the single most impactful pieces i've done for like just in terms of my career like being able to i don't know like what it's what it's given me back has been incredible the the amount of people that have gotten to know my work just because they saw that on the internet somewhere um and so yeah it's a weird one it, it, at the time it wasn't it wasn't lucrative there's no way you can sell a piece of well for me there's no way i could sell a piece of art that would that would pay for a year's work you know <laughs> like that's just an astronomical mm. price that it has to fetch and it wasn't realistic so it wasn't a lucrative thing to undertake but with hindsight it was an, an absolutely like valuable piece for me yeah that investment yeah exactly you can't really get that anywhere else all of that focus and work what a great growth opportunity yeah yeah it's it was a weird time I, I, and i haven't had the time for the last five years to to try and reproduce anything like that when when you're drawing for who knows how many hours in a day what do you do you listen to podcasts do you like watch a movie in the background how do you so i mean yeah. unless it's the concentration that literally like you can't have any other stimulus yeah what, what's it like so that's like yeah it's an interesting question because i um so i listen to audiobooks while i work primarily but, um, okay. and what was interesting was i i'm also just i think i'm mildly dyslexic i, I struggle to um to read novels and there's also anxiety for me around like the like opening a book I, i'm fine with reading articles on on like the internet mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but it's a commitment to read a big book yeah but i i like i like instantly start daydreaming when i start trying to read and then i can't comprehend what i'm reading i have to retrack mm -hmm. and you know read the same thing over but with yeah my my first um 
my first girlfriend used to read to me while I was drawing, which was really incredible. Um, and then after that, I started just downloading audiobooks. And for the last like 10 years, I've just been consuming mountains of audiobooks um, because I work, mm. you know, like six or eight hours a day. And I just have all the time in the world to listen to stories while I'm drawing um, or learn things. And that's 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 actually a huge part of my life, um, consuming books while I draw. So, it, it, yeah, it ranges from like nonfiction or, you know, like something like Sapiens or whatever to complete like trash fantasy. If if the, I read something quite dense, then I need to like <laughs> offset it with something, you know, <laughs> super accessible and just um, almost mindless. And it's so nice to get lost in like, I don't know, like Harry Potter or... Um, yeah. yeah, there's loads of books that I've just really, really loved and taken me into a different world, like even to the point where I want to get back to my drawing table just so that I can find out what happens in the story. What a wonderful association your yeah. brain has, too, with like, yeah. oh, I, I get to dive into this creative space and then I get to go somewhere else. Absolutely. Mentally, while while I'm just working. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to kind of segue, we're left turn yeah. um who what what advice do you have looking back you're you know you you're you're somewhere now but you had to be somewhere to get there right looking back for any artists that are starting out no matter what age they are what advice do you have for them man i like i should be able to answer this question but it's every time it's so <laughs> difficult it's so Oh yeah. It's so subjective as well to like the to an, to the individual but you know for myself it was sticking to it like literally just trying to just pushing through and making sure it works the the amount of times I've reached a point where I don't want to finish an artwork and just because I have to I I just do it. And if if you don't do that you can never you know you can never show your work and there's so many artists that I that I know who who love painting and love drawing and they they don't finish their work. They get to a point where they're not happy with something and then, then that one knock, that first knock that you get makes you disenchanted with the work that you're producing and you end up not finishing it. And if you don't, like I said, I mean, it's obvious, but if you don't finish your work, you can't show it and you can't you can't start building your portfolio and start your career. So I think, yeah, persistence is, is the thing. You know, persistence on the micro level, on executing and finishing your artworks and then persistence on the the career as a whole and knowing that it is that it is a possible thing i think that it used to have quite a bad rap in that it wasn't wasn't a sustainable career path so parents would dissuade their their children from pursuing being an artist um, or it's a job for people who have retired or whatever it might be but i think there's quite a lot of evidence now of of people successfully pursuing it as a career but it does take a lot of um, it takes a lot of work, and and that can that can be quite difficult for people to realize. So persistence yeah. <laughs> would be my would be my advice, yeah. And that's totally manifest in your in your art and your work because it takes so much persistence to get what you do. Absolutely, done. yeah. Thanks, man. Last but not least, who who would you say is your number one fan, and who 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 would you if you had the ability to just give a big thank you to somebody who would you send that out to <laughs> um 
look my it's such a cliche but my mom is like your mom my mom's a huge like actually my mom well my mom and my dad and what's interesting is that they they're very different people so like the things that they love are, are both on like different sides of the perspective or you know the, i don't know it's they often love different things and all different aspects in in my work and that's like that's something huge like to have your your parents uh believe in you and um and support you so wholeheartedly like there's no way that i i think i would have had the the ability to stick with it if if they weren't supporting me so like i i feel bad that that's a bit of a cliche you know like <laughs> just shout out to my mom because <laughs> she supported yeah. me but it is really really true um i mean to there's one fan as well in particular this guy comments on every single one of my posts and stuff um his name is vishnu from india and um mm. he's he's like a super fan he's really been supportive of my work he actually drew a portrait of myself and my mom which was really sweet as well so you know shout out to vishnu thanks for all your support i see you and it's it's really incredible um and there's a bunch of people like i you know i'm i'm lo- i'm worried to 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 name someone because there's so many people that have really given me so much love and um and helped me to kind of just keep going it's truly like there's there's days where you don't feel like it and it's so strange to think that someone on the other side of the world leaves a comment or something and you're just like yeah this is actually incredible that my work touched this person i'm gonna go and carry on drawing today you know so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm scared to to name people because i can't name them all there's too many yeah yeah which is i mean actually, with a i mean a quarter of a million followers you've got a lot of fans you've got a lot of people who are supporting you and excited to see where you continue to take your work so Thanks, what man. what are you working on right now what's the piece what's the theme um okay so i do i do an eye drawing almost every year i think there were one or two years recently that i didn't do one and currently i'm working on like the biggest eye that i've i've ever tried to draw and it's it's like it's quite a nice little benchmark for me so from like 2010 or so i was drawing eyes um and that was kind of like the the thing in my matric year that that all my final year of school that that sold um, all my little eye drawings. So that's it's really this thing that I'm drawn towards. And so now I'm busy drawing the eye for um, for 2021. And yeah, it's it's a it's more on the playful side of things. I don't want to just draw an eye and reproduce it. So I've stuck a, a jelly baby onto the eyeball. Um, and for me, it's quite fun because it's just this. It's so uncomfortable to look at. It's so like, it's so naive, you know, it's like this, you can't see without being, without your vision being obscured by sugar, you know? Um, So I I don't know, I'm really enjoying this artwork or like, I'm excited to show everyone. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it's just a bit of a, a reminder to not take myself so seriously, you know? We're excited to see it. Thanks, man. That's awesome. And and thank you so much for sitting down with me and and for sharing with our audience. Is there anything you'd like to say as a goodbye? Um, oh, I feel like I've said so much. Um, I don't. You've said so much, and it's <laughs> yeah. so good. Thanks, dude. It, it it means a lot. Like it's it's really cool that you guys reached out and uh, like yeah found my work and and thought to to do this. It's it's an honor, really. It's um, yeah. I suppose if I did want to say anything, just thanks for everyone's support. It's actually, it's just been, like I said a little while ago, it's been unbelievable. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really grateful that, that people have been enjoying my work. 
that's our show for this week. If you liked what you heard and want to learn more about art, creativity, the Inktober Challenge, or the artists that you've just heard from, head over to our Instagram at Inktober or visit our website at inktober.com. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future conversations. A big thanks to our founder, Jake Parker, as well as Alex Southworth for the music. But most importantly, a big thanks to you. We're always grateful for the stories that you share through your art. Again, my name is Keaton Harris, reminding you to stay creative, stay mindful, and have a wonderful week. He's, I mean, it sounds like he, he, he's got it spot on because I, I mean, I viewed Inktober as this, this movement, you know, and I didn't associate it with Jake. I, I, yeah, it was just like run by artists as far as I could tell, which is incredible. And I loved it. Like I I loved it for that. And even when you guys reached out, you must forgive me, but I, I didn't know the, I hadn't seen your Instagram page. Um, like I just knew of the concept of Inktober and I'd partaken in like galleries or little, you know, co- challenges and stuff, which was really cool, but I didn't know how organized it was. It just felt like this thing that had emerged. So it was really incredible to learn about that. Like when you guys reached out um, and yeah, Jake is, yeah, he built something really special. You must be really, really proud.